Okay, hello everyone, and welcome to Actus Radio, the nation's only only radio program dedicated to the clinical documentation improvement profession. Actus Radio is a bi-weekly program dedicated to bringing you closer to the difference makers in CDI and sharing the latest news and information relevant to the CDI profession and to Actus. Today, Wednesday, May 9th, marks our 96th program. So my name is Brian Murphy, Director of Actus, the Association of Clinical Documentation Improvement Specialists, and I'm your host for today's program, Actus Conference Preview, Pediatric Surgery. So I'm joined today by my co-host there at left, Sharm Brody, a familiar face on Actus Radio. Sharm uh, is a full-time instructor here uh, for us at Actus, teaching our CDI boot camps, as well as serving as a subject matter expert. Sharm uh, has a lot of experience in healthcare, more than 35 years total, including multiple areas of nursing and a variety of roles. Uh, prior to joining us at Actus, she worked as a consultant, providing program audits and implementation. And I'm very glad to have her back on the show. So welcome to the program, Sharm. Hi, Brian. Hi, everyone. Hello. Okay, now I'm going to introduce our two industry guests on today's show. So first we have with us uh, Valerie Bika. Valerie is the lead CDI specialist at Nemours Alfred I. DuPont Hospital for Children in Wilmington, Delaware. Val has uh, 40 years of pediatric and neonatal intensive care unit nursing experience, including case management, care management, managed Medicaid, acute care pediatrics, pediatric and neonatal intensive care unit, and high-tech pediatric home home care. So we can see where we're going with, with Val's background as it relates to the show. Uh, Val served on the Actus Pediatric Respiratory Failure Work Group and is a co-leader of our pediatric networking group, which we, which one of my favorites, APDIS, placing the C with a with a D. Um, Val also served on the 2017 Actus Conference Committee and was a contributing author for our recently published book. Pediatric CDI, Building Blocks for Success. So I'm glad to have her on the show. Welcome, Val. Thanks, Brian, and I'm glad to be here. All right. And next, I'd like to introduce our, our second guest today. We have with us also Leah Savage. Leah is the System CDI Manager at Norton Healthcare in Louisville, Kentucky. Leah has 14 years of experience in nursing and another eight years in CDI. She implemented the pediatric CDI program at her facility, is the prior president of the Kentucky Southern Indiana Actus chapter, as well as a co-leader, along with Val, of our pediatric networking group, Aptus. Uh, she did present at our 2017 Actus conference in Vegas, um, and I do want to add that she and Val are co-presenting at our 2018 conference in San Antonio in just two weeks. So I'm very glad to have them on today to share a little bit of their uh, of their program and their upcoming session at, at Actus and giving folks a flavor of what's to come. So welcome, Leah. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. All right. Well, let's as we always do, we'll start with a poll question related to today's topic. We'll ask you to take a look at that and weigh in on the result that best pertains to your facility. Um, so the question reads. Do your CDI specialists review pediatric surgery cases? Note, note the surgery cases. So the answer is either yes, uh, no, 
but we review other pediatric cases, uh, for example, medical or other. Um, no, because you're not a pediatric system or, or organization. Uh, don't know or not applicable. Again, do your CDI specialist review pediatric surgery cases? Is it yes? Um, no, but perhaps you do review other pediatric cases. No, not a pediatric system or organization. Don't know or not applicable. All right, we've got 70% we've got of our audience voting. So we'll give it just one more second here and then we'll go ahead and close that out. About 75% voting. So we're gonna go ahead and close this out and we will we will come back to the uh, results in just a few minutes after our interview. So again, as I mentioned, our guests today are Val and Leah, and I uh, want to welcome you both to the program, and thanks for being a part of your first Actus Radio. You know, I've had the, I've had the opportunity to review and take a look at your conference PowerPoint, and I'm not kidding when I say it is an impressive presentation. Um, a lot of information that's merged in there, a lot on um, the clinical side um, of pediatric surgery, along with some applicable coding guidelines. But maybe you could start by sharing a bit about what you will be covering and, and why you chose the four procedures uh, that you did, um, and, and, and just a little bit about the impact opportunities for, for CDI specialists. So Brian, this is Valerie. Um, I'm just I just wanted to let you know that we're covering four surgical um, procedures um, in our uh, presentation at Actus this year. Um, three of them are very common and seen frequently in the pediatric hospital. The fourth one is not as common, but it's a very complex. Um, involved um, diagnosis. So the pyloric stenosis, appendicitis, and gastroschisis, is, I think, is the other one. I'm, I just yes. I just blanked. Um, and, um, That's correct. I'm sorry? I said that is correct. It's gastroschisis. Thank you. I, I had a little <laughs> TIA for a moment. Um, and then the fourth one is congenital diaphragmatic hernia, which is the complex um, diagnosis that there's a lot of facets too, so we're excited to share information about these um, diagnoses and treatments and um, the impact that they can um, have on a CDI's life in a pediatric facility. Excellent. Um, I'm really looking forward to it. Just, okay, just for our audience's um, oh, sake. Okay, Brian. Actually, Sean, before you go, I just wanted to clarify with our audience. Yes. So th these shows that we're doing are lead-ups to the conference. If someone has asked for, for slides, for example. What we do is we, we actually post the slides, all the slides from the conference after the conference. So there won't be any slides today, but we're going we're to talk through some of the, the presentation that, that Val and, and Leah are going to be giving in just a couple weeks. So go ahead, Sharm. Oh, Okay. And I actually got a chance to look at your presentation, and I really enjoyed reading it. Um, I do have a question, though, and it's funny. I had a twin boy who was born with three hernias. So I am thankful that he didn't end up with a diaphragmatic hernia. So could you actually, for everyone, just dive a little bit deeper into that diagnosis and maybe give us a little bit of information, not giving away your whole presentation, but just a little snapshot, maybe? Sure. Um, this is Valerie again. And... Um, 
CDH is a di or it was chronic uh, congenital diaphragmatic hernia, which we all we around here either call a DH or a CDH. Um, but it is a, um, a condition that obviously congenital the child is born with. Um, it occurs in about a thousand births per year in this country, and um, the presentation can be anything from um, on ECMO, needing surgery, like big time, ring all the alarms, it's this big emergency, to a, a child whose diagnosis actually gets missed. So the manifestations of this disease are so varied um, that there's, you know, a lot of things to look for. The other issue is that as many of 50% of the kids who are born with a CDH um, have another associated anomaly. Um, 24% of those kids have cardiac anomalies. Um, many, almost 40% um, have chromosomal abnormalities. There's a lot to look for. So this is a diagnosis where you want to put on your detective hat and dig into what you see in the chart and ask lots of questions. Great, thank you. Yeah, sounds great. Um, I know you'll also be covering uh, appendicitis in the pediatric population. So maybe you could talk a little bit about how this differs from the adult population um, and sort of, you know, maybe also what is typically in need of clarification again in these, in these pediatric patients. So um, this is Leah and I'm talking on the appendicitis issue and really the difference between pediatrics and adult, it's, all the same, but um, from what I have seen in the research that I've done, a lot of times your pediatric patients will present um, a lot healthier or a lot sicker. They kind of fall to either end of the spectrum because they present with abdominal pain, and anyone who has children know that on a daily basis their child has a bellyache usually. Oh, my belly hurts, my belly hurts. So it's really differentiating when is it belly pain and when is it something more significant. And then when you get to the ED, those physicians that you meet in the emergency room doing the same thing, because they're kind of going through the same thing you just did. Is this just belly pain? Is this just, you know, a lot of kids get constipated and it causes belly pain. So it's really, and if it's a really young child, they really can't tell you. You just know that they're in pain. They can't really verbalize exactly where it is or what it is. But because kids ha tend to have healthier immune systems, they also present more well. They may not have the fever. They may not have the elevated white count, which leads the physician down that path to this might be appendicitis. So it takes a little bit longer to diagnose. But then on the other end of the spectrum, sometimes they have belly pain for several days in a row, and mom and dad either don't think it's that bad or don't realize how bad it is and don't get them to the hospital. So by the time they do get to the hospital, they've already ruptured and they're now septic. So the kiddos that I've seen, it's been one of two ends of the spectrum. They're either very, 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 very sick or not real sick, but we need to get that appendix out because it is inflamed. Um, the biggest things that you find that need clarified usually um, is the same on either end of the spectrum with adults or pediatrics. And that's we need to know is A, is it perforated or was there an abscess? Because both of those do change the coding for the appendicitis to a complicated diagnosis versus a non-complicated diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And is that something that's typically not specifically called out, Leah, the perforated uh, example you just gave? You, sometimes yes, sometimes no. It depends on your surgeon. What do you see, Val? 
<laughs> I see that I struggle to get them to say perforated, yeah. and yeah, um, it, it's it's an ongoing discussion, a lot of education, yeah. a lot of time. What I think the biggest thing you really have to look for in your op note, if they're not specifically saying perforated, that you can see this kiddo's sick and has been high white count, there's something else going on, is if you look op notes and they know any purulent drainage or purulent fluid when they're in the abdominal cavity, that can lead you down that road of, do I need to ask, was there an abscess or was this appendicitis actually ruptured? Mm -hmm. Interesting. Kind of just Thank like you the very <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's one area where it's very similar to adults when it comes to the coding piece of it. You're looking for the same things. Okay. All right, I'm going to step in. Um, yeah, just a, a two-part question, if you don't mind. I just wanted to go back one second to the CDA. Uh -huh. What uh -huh. would be, if, and, and I might have missed it because I was, I was listening to you um, intently, what would be one of the first signs or symptoms that somebody, a CDI specialist, would be looking for? Because like you said, I... If I heard you correctly, and I think I did, this goes from being very blatant to actually a misdiagnosis at times. Yes, and um, much of that depends on which type of CDH they have. Um, okay. Whether they have um, comorbid conditions of hypoplastic lungs, they can have microgastria, they can have, um, oh my gosh, they can have liver failure, they can have kidney failure. They, as they have cardiac anomalies, um, they always, almost always have respiratory failure of some sort. Um, okay. They may, um, they're, when they're born, if, you, they, if you're not aware of the um, CDH and with the prevalence of um, ultrasounds in pregnancy now, most of the kids are diagnosed prenatally and they know they're going to be an emergent delivery and emergent treatment after delivery they're pretty ready for it but if they don't know they look for you'll see a child with um, a scaphoid abdomen and sometimes somewhat of a prominent chest because everything that belongs in the abdomen is up in the chest um, there's issues when they try to intubate and ventilate the child because you can't hear breath sounds you actually hear bowel sounds in the chest um, there's a lot of, of symptoms that you look for, but then ongoing, you know, identifying all of the other things that are going on. Yeah. Well, they'll have to stay tuned and go watch your presentation because it explains everything <laughs> you just mentioned very, very nicely. Um, we, we're, we're talking about, in this is the second part to my question, um, we're mm -hmm. talking about pediatric surgery. Now, one of the common complaints, I, I, I would have to tell you, um, maybe you've experienced it yourself, among CDI is that surgeons are a rare breed and they're kind of, not a rare breed, but they're kind of hard to get involved in the CDI program versus, you know, attending physician. Do you have any little secrets that you could give away to us that would tell us how maybe you've gotten these surgeons on board or any specific education that might have piqued their interest? Anything well, for us poor people out there who have hard times with them? <laughs> For us and in, in my hospital, um, I spend a great deal of time um, with them. I um, Every single morning at 7 a.m., I sit down with the surgical team that's on that day, the residents and the attending and the fellow. And actually, we they run the list every morning. So as they go through each patient, I get my three seconds to pop up and say, hey, is there peritonitis with that acute appendicitis? Hey, you know, like... Is there an ileus? 
like I, I kind of pop up with my questions as I as we do on our um, walking rounds with other teams. Um, I, and I spend a lot of time educating the residents and the attendings about the need to document more specifically. Now our attendings have gotten a little um, more used to being um, redirected in their documentation because once every quarter I go to their um, staff meeting and actually present to them all of their unspecified diagnoses, all the opportunities that they missed in their documentation. It's sort of an ongoing education process, but it, it is a challenge. I, I will not argue with you about that. Um, I think pediatric <laughs> surgeons are maybe a little worse than adult surgeons because they're not used to anyone telling them anything. And so it's it's taken several years to get to where my program is now with education. Leah, I'm not sure what you guys do um, at Norton. Um, I would say we pretty much are in the same boat you are. They're surgeons. Um, I will say on the pediatric side, we do have one surgeon who is fantastic and will help you out in any way that you need, but that's his personality. The rest of them, not so much. But one thing I have found with surgeons, and this is just across the board, is especially if it's something that would code as a complication, and you tell them that that's going to code as a complication with the way it's being documented, that tends to ring bells in their ears. And so sometimes that's a good avenue to start discussion with them of, hey, we don't want your patient to have a complication, but with the way you have it documented, that's the road it's going to go down. That mm -hmm. kind of gets their attention, and then they go, "Oh, wait a minute, maybe I should talk to this girl and see what she really knows." You know, <laughs> she knows a little more than I do here. You, you got to find whatever avenue piques their interest. So mm -hmm. that tends to be at least a place to start. Now, not that you keep them forever, but at least it's always a place to go, and they will remember you as the person who kept them from getting a complication on their patient. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I would I would venture to say that that's probably a place that we all struggle is um, with our surgeons. Absolutely. Okay. Thank you. Some great information there. Again, um, this is I'm, I'm really excited to have you guys on because you, you're obviously presenting, but this is also our first dedicated pediatric track at Actus, which we'll. I think I think you guys literally strung on me into putting that track in but I'm, it's, it's overdue uh, maybe it's overdue. we might we might have bothered you a little bit <laughs> yeah. and, and you know Brian we're That's so that. used to changing people's minds and changing cultures in our own facilities we just sort of extended it out to act as well absolutely absolutely I completely it. agree <laughs> How do you think I even got a pediatric CDI at Norton Healthcare? <laughs> you definitely know how to change behavior because you change minds. So. I try. <laughs> but maybe just to wrap up, uh, can you talk a little bit about what you're looking forward to personally at the 11th Annual Actus Conference? Uh, Val, you've been to many of these now, I guess six in a row. Uh, but what 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 is it that you guys like about Actus um, and what it delivers for our for our attendees. I love the opportunity to share um, experience and um, share um, challenges and opportunities with other pediatric CDI specialists. I know it sounds like we're kind of exclusionary, but we we don't get that much of an opportunity. We're not that large a group that we can, you know, that we're everywhere. The the, the adult CDI specialists kind of have the um, leg up because they all do 
the same kinds of patients and they, they can share their experiences. It's just a sharing time for me anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will say definitely for me, um, starting the pediatric program two years ago, I did not have anyone else at all. <laughs> so I was kind of my own little lone wolf trying to do it. And I came to conference that year and I met Val and I met several others and that's kind of where we spiraled into Aptis and then, hey, let's have a couple pediatric topics and then now we have our own track. And it's really just that networking because I know for many facilities, if you have a CDI program, it is small and you don't have others right around you to reach out to. And that's where we fall here in Louisville is we don't have other pediatric CDI around. So my, my network is through a computer with people from around the country. Mm-hmm. And it's built because well, I met him in person first. <laughs> I know. It's always great to the conference. That's, I think, the biggest return is just seeing people that you may have emailed on dozens of times and actually get to meet them. And they're real human beings. And we're lucky. Every every quarter we get to talk to other people around the country, but then when we go to Actus, we actually get to see the people we've been talking to because our our quarterly, the Aptus group has quarterly meetings where we can share information Mm -hmm. um, in that format as well. Right. Uh, last year, we just did this a quick little meeting of the Aptis group, and we got to put names and faces because Val and I knew each other. But other than that, all we had mm-hmm. was a bunch of names with what facility you're from. So that was a lot of fun. Yep. Well, I hope you can make some, make some new friends and, and uh, be introduced to some friends over email. So you've previously yeah. <laughs> known through email. So looking forward to that. All right, let's go ahead and share our poll question. Again, we asked folks, do your CDI specialists review pediatric surgery cases? So 30% say yes, 18% say no, but we do review um, other pediatric cases. A third um, do do not, uh, because they're not a pediatric system or organization, 5% don't know, uh, 14% not applicable. So, uh, 30% 30% do review pediatric cases. Um, so not a majority, but any any, any thoughts on this? Uh, that's that's great to hear. Um, it's really good yeah. to hear that um, there must be some pediatric um, hospital groups on the phone because I know co- commonly I think this call tends to be more toward the adult world, but um, it seems that there's some aptis people on this line right now. Yeah. And I would say to the 33% on the line that don't have pediatrics in their organization, if it's something you're looking at, hint, hint, wink, wink, I'm on a panel discussion at Actus, but we're going to be talking about starting <laughs> pediatric programs. <laughs> that one out too. <laughs> that's great. That's great. Oh, you two are too right. funny. I will tell you, we have, we've been to pediatric hospitals as instructors. Um, I personally, a couple of weeks ago, was at one of the children's hospitals. A shout out to my friends out in Arkansas. Um, and I'm going to tell you, it boils down to documentation is documentation. So uh, absolutely, you know, we, did, yes. we didn't have to get into specifics. Um, you know, as we did as far as they wanted to, but it, it all boils down to is the documentation. The words good the documentation. Chart. Yes. Yep. Agreed. So, um, all right. Well, good stuff. Let's um let's let's move on to our next show element here in the news. So you guys should be seeing on your screen the 
2019 IPPS proposed rule. So uh, CMS released the rule on April 24th, and I thought on today's program I would share a few CDI noteworthy highlights. Um, before I do that, I just want to reiterate that these changes are proposed, and I do put that in uh, capital letters for myself. So they're subject to a comment period. Some of these may not eventually make it to final, or they may be revised based on feedback, and we always encourage our members to comment on the proposed rule. It's, it's actually a very easy process. Um, but, you know, typically, based on my past experience with, with rules, you know, sometimes these changes don't get made, but more often than not, they do. So there's a good chance we might see these finalized. Uh, and those will be published in August in the IPPS final rule. So what I'm sharing here is, again, just a link on the CMS website to the proposed rule. This is a um, this is sort of the press release. It's the, it's the boiled down high-level version. The rule itself is about 1,100 pages. I'm not going to go through that on today's show. But uh, <laughs> I, I'm going to put the notes to the, a link to this page here in the show notes. I'm also uh, We also have here a, a nice note from our one of our instructors, Alan Frady, who has summarized what CDI professionals most need to know about the 2019 IPPS rule. So high level, um, let me bounce back to this page for a minute. You know, I, I think there are some noteworthy things in the rule. Perhaps most noteworthy is that CMS is proposing to remove some quality measures from a number of the quality reporting and pay for performance programs. You know, the AHA or American Hospital Association has been pushing for administrative burden reduction, and um, it appears this effort is going to uh, pay off. So this, this proposal, according to CMS, would result in the elimination of 25 total measures across the five programs, with over 2 million burden hours reduced for hospital providers impacted by the IPPS rule. So these are principally coming out of um, the hospital IQR or inpatient quality reporting program while retaining the same measures in one of the value-based purchasing programs such as HVBP, hospital readmissions, and the hospital acquired condition reduction programs. So they're eliminating some of these duplications across these uh, quality systems. Um, another big item is um, more on uh, tr hospital transparency of transparency of pricing I thought was interesting. Uh, under current law, hospitals are required to establish and make public a list of their standard charges. So CMS is updating its guidelines to specifically require hospitals to make public a list of their standard charges, i.e. their charge master via the internet. So this will be interesting. Um, I know charge masters can be all over the place in terms of pricing for various reasons, as we know. So more on transparency, more on elimination of reduction. Um, there's, there's also a number of uh, code changes as well as some uh, CC and MCC changes. So just to summarize a couple of those, uh, let's, let's bounce back to Alan's note here. Um, you know, one major change is CMS is moving the ICD-10 code B20 or AIDS uh, from its designation as an MCC to a CC only, you know, likely perhaps due to that, the cost of treating that disease coming down. Um, on the flip side, ARDS, acute respiratory distress syndrome, is being proposed to move from a CC to an MCC. So that's, that's going the other direction. 
That's amazing. Um, I have to interrupt you for one second, Brian. Yeah, I'm, sure. I was going to say the same thing. I'm so yeah. excited to see them giving the um, severity of illness back to ARDS that it always had. And I don't know what happened, but that's a huge step. Now, obviously, this is proposed. This is not approved yet, but. Right. Yeah. But if, if you guys agree with it, it's good to leave a comment with CMS. Um, so yeah. that's that's some good news. And then, hey, this this one's for you guys. Um, uh, we have one um, a proposed MCC list change to include 086.04 sepsis following an obstetrical procedure is now being uh, proposed to be added to the MCC list. So this might be a type of case that you guys would would uh, would cover. So there are others. Um, there are some listed here. Again, the, the full list is on the CMS website. I will link to that. And again, just to reiterate, as you called out, these are proposed, but do you guys have any, any thoughts on these? Had a chance to look at the rule or any, any uh, you already mentioned one there. You're very excited about yeah. Um, ARDS. <laughs> yeah. I did. I did read um, Alan's article, and I thought it was an interesting summarization of of the highlights um, of the changes. As you said, 1,100 pages would be hard to summarize, but um, right. it it you know it is. Some of the things seem very positive. I'm not thrilled about the HIV one. I think that um, if you have active disease, um, that to take away from the severity of it is not a great thing so but remember we're I'm dealing with pediatric AIDS it's AIDS that's been mm -hmm. transmitted in utero so it is mm. it's different um, and the treatment is different and it's it's a slightly different um, situation so I'm not I'm sort of hoping that one doesn't go through but ARDS I'm like yes where can I who can I call to say to pat them on the back I'll buy them yeah, lunch. I agree. <laughs> I, you know, it's funny. We all we all agree on that. So that's that's that is good. Um, I teach a quality boot camp, so I'm going to tell you I'm most excited about the quality part of it because that oh, okay. is one of the major major issues. Um, with quality is just the duplication of measures in different programs, and I can see why people would. Not be happy. So we'll see how it all washes out, but that excites me. And the art, I never understood why it wasn't MCC. So I agree. And it all was right. never, it was never respiratory distress, which is what it, before it bumped up a little bit, it, they used to equate respiratory distress with arts. That's like um, comparing a broken leg to, I don't know, ECMO. Um, it's crazy. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. go together. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. Let's um appreciate that guys. Let's just wrap up quickly. We're at we're at the uh, top of the hour here, but just to wrap up with a quick Actus update, you know what I'm gonna talk about. We're we're headed mm -hmm. out to San Antonio in less than two weeks for the twenty eighteen Actus conference. In my opinion, this is the can't miss CDI event of the year. Some might argue with that, but I, yes. I personally think it's a pretty pretty good event. Um, and just to encourage you further to, to make the trip to San Antonio, you know, there's still time to register. We'd love to see you there. We've got a great crowd coming out. We've got a full exhibit hall. We've got a number of awesome sessions that we've been featuring on Actus, including today's program. Just a couple other things you may not know about. We have a, a, a conference app, which has been, we've had the last couple of years. That's been very popular. It's got a session planner in it, exhibit hall map. 
It's got a social media feed. You can pick which sessions you want to go to. It has all the materials in it, all the PowerPoints. You can take notes in it. It's a great little program um, that we have that's a nice, been a nice add. Uh, we have a poster session. We have over 40 posters that are being presented from the likes of Mayo Clinic, Baptist Health, Dartmouth-Hitchcock, uh, Carolina's Medical Center. These are, this is an underrated part of the conference. This is like its own mini conference. So in the exhibit hall, you'll be able to see people presenting on things like ambulatory CDI, spinal surgery, CDI and obstetrics, um, some of the new technologies that are available out there, career ladders. So another great way to learn while you're at the ACTUS conference. Um, and then we'll also be doing our ACTUS Achievement Awards. We haven't unveiled those winners yet, but this is going to be, this is, uh, it's day two of the conference. We'll be recognizing our ACTUS Achievement Award winners, which is always special to see some of the highlights and some of the, some of the brightest stars in the profession. So I'm looking forward to that as well. So that will do it for today's program. Again, we hope to see you back here. We're actually coming back next week, so not two weeks. So next week is our last program before the conference. We're doing a little ACTUS conference send-off. We're going to have a couple of more presenters on to give some highlights of their sessions. I hope you can join us. Um, as I always say, if you have any questions, suggestions for the format of the show, ideas about future programs, if you like pediatrics, you want more, for example, just send me an email at bmurphy at actus.org. That will do it. We'll see you back here again next week. So take care, everyone.